poisonous intro. <laughs> this makes my nipples hard. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild podcast. Today, Paul and I are here to talk to you all about the ways that we interact with the games that we love. Well, gee golly, we sure are. We're, I just don't, I don't know how I used to talk to people on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost Kinda my like identity that. in all these different intros that we've done, but you know, I'm here. I've got a Pringles can for some reason, and we're going to, we're going to talk about interfaces. Good, good. Instead of outer faces. Yes, exactly. And at some point I'll remember how to podcast as we go. Right. No, it's okay. Why don't you use the Pringles can now just to get it out of your system? Ah, sorry. <laughs> I, scared the, I scared the cat. <laughs> you might have scared a listener's cat too if they're not using earbuds. Is there anybody out there in the world that is listening to this podcast without wearing like headphones? Like, is there somebody walking around their house with like their Google Home system blurting us out all over all the rooms? Or like, is this all, is it self-contained? Because I'm, I'm kind of curious. If you actually. are playing it out loud, are you nervous that we're going to yell an obscenity? Just like, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to bleep that so it'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> the word is always funny, but yes, that's that's a good point. But yeah, we're here to talk about UI. So what I did to prepare for this episode, and Paul's just like, oh God, not so soon. But what I did to prepare for this episode is I grabbed a bunch of big boxes down and I, I started looking in the most logical place to think about the UI and interactivity. And that was in the game menu booklet where it tells you how to interact with everything. And I'm realizing that there is a lot of ways, Paul, to interact with the classic games we love and the modern games that are based in a retro style. I mean, there is certainly no one consistent standard, even, even within like say just Sierra really, or like LucasArts is probably the most consistent, but it's still sort of changed over time a little bit. Mm, well, Anna, uh, I'm glad that you used my name back there because it's apparently my favorite word, like the rest of society. And it really helped maintain my attention throughout your little <laughs> <laughs> I use whatever I got, man. So what I did to prepare for the episode was was just like deer in headlights completely forget every question <laughs> I had for myself. Like, what did they use in Blackwell? Don't know. What kind of interface did they use in Kathy Rain? Don't know. And <laughs> and slowly, one by one, sorted out all the answers. Did Space Quest V have a taste icon like 4 did? Don't know. But it turns out it did. Not. It did not. That's that's me. That's the homework me speaking. And and so now we're ready. So we've got a we got a we have a, a big old list. It's it's got too much stuff on it. It's, I might not even look at it because it's 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 too much. I can't I can't manage this conversation and also read this amount of notes at the same time. But let's let's start somewhere. Uh, Anna. Well, let's talk about the earliest way to interact with any game out there, which is by Yelling text at it. parser. Right. <laughs> Would you freaking work? But no, text, <laughs> like, and I mean, I'm not necessarily saying text versus text with images. I'm just saying any game where you need to use your keyboard to interact with it. So you're, you're taking words. The developer has kind of been like, these are the words I think they're going to use to do this thing. You have to figure out what words they think you're going to be using to do the thing. And that's, that's the interaction with the game and I don't even know like are you into text parser did you even play 
text games without graphics? Like, what's your what's your view on text parser stuff? Pros, cons. Well, uh, there's 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 a there's the greatest. I love text parsers. So I asked um, I asked AI. I said I, I I fed it all the different types of interfaces that I could think of um, that we'll cover here in in, in this episode uh, probably, and and then I asked it to tell me what it felt. Uh, logically speaking, because otherwise it'll be all, I'm a robot, I don't feel feelings. And I'm just like, you know, please <laughs> love me back. But anyway, <laughs> I asked it what it found to be the most logical and conversely what it found to be the most illogical, just just based on pure logic, looking at all these different things. And I'll reveal what it said for the most logical when we get to that. But for text parser, it, it said that this one is probably the most illogical. And to mm-hmm. which I would say, you know, go fuck yourself, AI. What do you know? <laughs> no, I would say fair enough. I mean, it's, it's yeah, fair enough. On paper, it is the most illogical to have, you know, this blank canvas that is the entire vocabulary or lexicon of the human, uh, the human language. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the assumedly English language is based on you know, most, most of the adventure games here. Um, and anyway, yeah, it's, it's so so as illogical as it could be, I think. Well, the, okay, so the, the here's here's a quick pro and con for t- text parser interface. The the pro is that is that it's it's the engagement is unlike any other because mm-hmm. there's like there's a required amount of creativity from the player, and and I find that engaging. I, I like trying to imagine what the developers already thought, right? Like what they would accept, and I like trying to. Yeah, I like trying to figure out what what the answer will be, and I also like trying to catch the game out or seeing what random thing that they might have thought of. There's a lot of like text parser is the most charming of them mm-hmm. all, I would say, um, but it's also the least logical. Um, <laughs> so, some really quickly, I just want to give a quick classic example, a modern example, because I'm going to try and do this as like a template, like just to give everybody a quick like jumping off point mentally of where we're at. So, some classic examples would be like Zork, uh, anything uh, Infocom Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, Etc. And then anything Sierra AGI or SCI zero, right? That's all text parsing. Mm-hmm. I don't. We don't need to tell our audience. Like they already, they, they already. I'm yelling at myself. They already know that. A modern <laughs> example would be Betrayed Alliance um, from Slats uh, or Snail Trek from Icefall, and then upcoming is Cascadia Quest from Icefall and Crimson Diamond from Julia. So there's there is some modern examples. Uh, there's about to be more of them, which is nice. Like Betrayed Alliance too. So they're still being mm-hmm. made because they're still charming, and I think that they're. They're, they're among my favorites. Favorite. Same here. Going back retroactively, I like I like uh, I like it when the dev takes the extra opportunity to give you shortcuts. Like for example, in Police Quest, O D open door, right? Like the little quick commands that you can use so that you don't have to actually type everything out. And it's like, and I like the options in a text game. Do I want to save? I can hit F5 or I can um, go up into the escape menu or I can type the word save, for example. They put all of those in there. So my my earliest games were uh, graphical text. I've never been very good at just text parser alone. And I think that's why it's moved to being more interactive novels or choice-based games now with when they're just text, even the Mm. ones you can download because coming up with the input and putting it into the computer, it it is time consuming and and it is not as quick and and not as easy as a point and click. Right. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking as you were describing that there's, there's a unique position that text parsers find themselves in where they can slip in, 
the the odd occasional joke, if you will, or gimmick or gag. Yeah, not gimmick, but gag. Mm-hmm. Without having to fully commit to it. So, so quick example. I've never articulated this to myself until now, but it, it would be if you look at the end of Police Quest One, since that's fresh on our minds, that that you can take all your clothes off in front of everybody in the city when you're accepting mm-hmm. the key, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's a lovely little gag, and it's funny, and it's it's, it's the, the it's the perfect example of the charm of of parsers, where you can find these little moments, um, you know, where in your, you know potentially perverted mind thought of something like that. And you could wonder if the developers had too. And just that moment that clicks when they thought of it, when they thought of the mm-hmm. same thing you did and acted upon it and give you a quick little reward for it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a lovely dopamine hit. Um, but yeah. what's nice about the parser is that you can, you can just one off that. It's like, Hey, what about like right here and now only if they took their clothes off, that would be mm-hmm. funny, right? Yeah, sure. Put it in the game. Whereas if you want, if you want gags like that in a point and clicks sort of interface, you have to commit to it for the entire game. And that would be, it's, it's so mad that it's insane that there's even one example of that, but there is, well, there's a few few. of them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There's a few for like a gag or two, seriously, in some cases too, you're like, I mean, and the having to write a lot of extra text. Oh my when God. you're creating the oh. game because you're like now it's not just touch look interact walk taste lick zipper like we'll go over them it's just it's hilarious to me that you have to because you can't just click the zipper on everything and it's just like that doesn't work you have to like you have to write shit in there man that's huge yeah exactly exactly and, and that you touched exactly on my example which would be like the lick one or, or even smell from space quest 4 where it's like mm-hmm. if, you know if you really want that joke you have to commit to it for the whole game because like you said they're not going to give you generic text and Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with game development as as has been discovered on my end it would be uh, sorry, everybody. You could hear my brain just shut down partially for a second there. I'm, I'm back. Hi. Would, would be uh, there's nothing harder than writing, maintaining momentum when you have to write rejections. Like that, that's yeah. just like it's to keep rejections fun to read is is the the greatest of all challenges I think when it comes to to at least comedic writing. So. Just, yeah, it's insane that Space Quest and, and Larry and, and those guys even tried something like that. But anyway, point being is that the I think the charm of, of part of the charm of text parser is that you can you can just slip little things in when when you think of it. Um, and and it suits the game really well. It's I don't know, it's a whole different kind of experience, a parser compared to a click thing. But um, yeah, I don't know, maybe at the end we can like compare, uh, g- give them like a quick ranking or something like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. what else do we want to say about parsers? Anything? I've said it on other episodes, but I will reiterate, I was very disappointed when the game style changed from parser to point and click. I was very upset as a younger person that they would be dumbing down the games that I was just starting to get the hang of and just getting good at. Now I'm softer. I enjoy a point and click. I also enjoy a parser and I I appreciate both of them, but it is a lot easier. It really limits what you can do where and how you can do it. It has to fit with the commands. It has to be something you're able to do. You can't just type, like you said, take off clothes unless there's an ability to do that throughout the whole game. You can't randomly, like you can type a swear word and maybe it'll activate a cheat in some games or a mode or something in some way could react. But nine times out of 10 in a point and click game, your swear words land on deaf ears and you're just left yelling it at your computer screen. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. In like in Space Quest Three, for example, if you want, if you you have to swear like what like thirteen times or something like that to get the game to curse mm-hmm. back at you, so you think you're being ignored mm-hmm. and you're not. Maybe maybe a, a nice like way to to look at it on the outside is is 
almost in like a Taoist sense or like a Jungian sense, it's like parser is, is utter chaos and, and <laughs> point and click. It, <clears throat> parser would be at the risk of being overly chaotic and point and click is at the risk of being overly orderly. Mm-hmm. Where there yeah, is- that might be what it is actually. Maybe that's why I didn't like point and click because I'm kind of, I'm chaos. I've, how long have y'all been listening to this podcast? I am chaos. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, we, uh, the, the risk of, of us doing this podcast alone has always been the fact that we're both actually kind of chaos. You know, like when 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 Rick was here, he was kind of the order, let's say, because um, mm-hmm. yeah, we both we both tend to be a little bit more like water in that sense. But <laughs> there's there is something to be said, and I guess. Um, well, no, actually, because I, I want to go from here to nine verbs, so I'll just say that, that there mm-hmm. is a. There is something there is something nice about point and click as far as like uh, putting you in like a fenced like a walled garden I guess you could say where it's mm-hmm. like within these bounds you you can still hunt for and find little you know little berries and little fruits and little pieces of gold um, kind of like what we touched on with the the remake the positive remake aspects of Police Quest One where it's like yeah since I don't have to type look at or this you know since I don't have to type not only look at even if there's a shortcut and the take a wild guess at what they're calling the thing in the room, right? It's like, are they calling that an armoire or a cabinet or <laughs> like stuff like that? Not everybody keeps a parser log like Allo did, as he mentioned on our episode and, and we've mentioned before. He took all the parser input logs from every beta tester and then went over it and said, oh, people called it a door, people called it this, people called it that, people called it this. And then he put all of those and all the random shit they tried and gave it a response in the freaking game in Larry too. And I'm just like, dude, that is how you do it, man. Cause now we're not playing a guessing game so much. Right. Right. And, and actually since we're on parser and speaking of that is how to do it, I, I, we gotta, I just want to put it into spotlight for a second. Um, Phil's work at Icefall Games with was specifically Snail Trek because he's working on Cascadia Quest. He's done Void Quest, um, mm-hmm. which I hadn't played Voice Quest, Void Quest, but I have played all the Snail Treks with with my son, which was such a good time. Um, all that to say that that he took is bringing Parser into the modern age by implementing um, features like uh, like suggestions and autofill, like much like you might mm-hmm. get from from using a smartphone, um, and mm-hmm. having suggestions like when you, um, well, you know, it's 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 almost similar to anybody who's like console players, anybody, because <laughs> that's our that's our market, and even market's not even the right word, but you know, that's our bloody audience. There we go. Um, but you know, I'm sure we're all video game nerds to a degree, so it's like you play PlayStation, and it's like they know for your keyboard to start suggesting words as soon as possible. Cause it sucks to try and type with a controller. Um, and Phil's kind of doing the same thing in his games where it's like, as soon as you start typing a word suggestions pop up for you to select. And that, that does kind of circumvent a lot of the guesswork where it's like, okay, well they're mm-hmm. definitely going to call it this. And it's also nice getting rid of like little typos on, on our end, on the player's end where you can just immediately select the word that you were thinking of. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there is like a, I think there's room for a resurgence in text parser. There's, there's definitely, mm-hmm. there's definitely the nostalgia for it and everything like that. But I think there are like little modern technologies that that, that could enhance it, and that's not saying that they need to either. Because I would still enjoy mm-hmm. just a pure parser that's you know like a fresh game that I hadn't played before. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on to let's move on to the bloody nine verb because the nine mm-hmm. verb or just the verb interface, the scum style interface that that's. The reason I wanted to move from Parser to here is because when, when Ron Gilbert played King's Quest and, and just hated text Parser, that inspired him to go home and come up with the verb interface. 
Um, and I really like this one too. So it's, I, 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 yeah, we'll do, we, if we even bother with rankings, we could do that all later. We're not a big ranking show anyway, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But before, before we nerd off too hard, what are your immediate thoughts on the verb interface scum style? So yeah, when I when I first started playing Maniac Mansion, I felt really really overwhelmed as I mentioned, and I was I was just looking it up and I mean there's there's, there's 15 verbs on the bottom of the page. Now that's why I was overwhelmed. You've got use, push, pull, give, key, or sorry, use, push, pull, give, open, close, read, talk to, pick up, what is, new kid, unlock use, turn on, turn off, and fix. And and by the time they got to the first Monkey Island game, it had been a little bit refined. And you've got uh, your open, close, push, pull, walk to, pick up, talk to, give, use, look at, turn on, and turn off, which, thank goodness, by the time you got to Monkey Island 2, and I'm going to guess probably in the remake of Monkey Island 1, but I haven't looked it up, they switch it to the, the give, open, close, pick up, look at, talk to, use, push and pull, and they merged turn off and turn off. Those went into use. Walk disappeared because you're just clicking on the screen. And uh, what else? Dig didn't even have any actions. Items were assessed by moving your mouse near the bottom of the screen, and that was it. Full throttle and curse of Monkey Island did the, the three item verb coin, and that's kind of how you interacted. And Sam and Max had the cursor change depending on current action and a menu, right? Clicking yes. on the box. So to the verb thing, okay, a couple of points I want to pick up on is one, the, the, the Maniac mentioned one, I, I had no idea that it was, there was 16 options. The fact that there was a walk to, <laughs> there's a walk to in Monkey Island 1 too, that, that's, that's mm -hmm. quite absurd. Like it's, it's so mm -hmm. superfluous, it makes you wonder why it got past that point in development. I, I'm sure there might be a better reason for Maniac Mansion like predating mice let's say mouses, I think it's mice, whatever. Um, but also the, the wording of what is instead of look is in, that's also kind of insane. Like really guys, like, you settled on that. You had a team of developers and you're like, let's go with what is that's just so clunky and weird. Um, and then, yeah, we get to monkey Island one where it's down to 12 and that all seems pretty good. Again, like the walk to doesn't need to be there. And, and turn off and on seems a bit much having, yeah. But anyway, I guess all this to say is that by Monkey Island 2, we've got the refined official nine verb thing, which is um, what Thimbleweed Park used and Fate of Atlantis used. And it became, mm -hmm. uh, it, it kind of hit its peak and then they bailed on it more or less because mm -hmm. because from Monkey Island 2, we get, we get what, Fate of Atlantis? And that's about it. I mean, Loom's mm -hmm. a whole different one where you have a similar totally system, different. but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Mm -hmm. Back McCracken, um, I would, I'm just going to guess because it, it just doesn't matter. I'm going to just guess that it's got 12 like Monk Island 1. Maybe it has more like Maniac. Again, I, 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 I don't care. Um, mm -hmm. But but yes, I guess let's let's look at this um, from the scope of, of at its best, at its mm -hmm. peak, which would have been nine verbs. And for you, you, your most recent experience with this would have been Thimbleweed Park. So maybe that's a good right. place for both of us to judge it from. Um, but anyway, yeah, I guess I guess – Huh. What would you, what would your pros and cons be? Like what, actually, you know what, what, what are your pros? I think we've heard your cons. So what do you, what do mm -hmm. you like about it? Well, it's straightforward. You can see what you're going to do with it. Um, like, okay, for example, in, <laughs> on Thimbleweed Park, it's just sitting right there. It's at the bottom of the screen, kind of like the classic games. Your inventory is sitting right there at the bottom. You can, you see what you have, you see what you need to do. Click on the thing. Do you want to do it or not? I've, I've always found it a, like tedious a little bit to go through each one. Do I open it? Do I close it? 
Do I give it? Do I pick it up? Do I push it? Do I pull it? Do I use it? Like, because to me, the way I play these games, especially once I get stuck, is I want to click each thing on each thing to find the thing I'm missing. So it's, you know, a little bit more tedious than the walk, look, touch, taste traditionally that I would find with Sierra games. I feel there's a little bit more work to have to do it the LucasArts way. So for you, it's you don't like the travel time, like the time it takes to go and pick up the verb you need and to use it. You'd rather mm-hmm. hover above it and right-click cycle through things. Not, yes, I'm a right-click cycle throughher more that's, than a menu getter. That's, Absolutely, that's exactly what I was getting. At. Okay, for and especially yeah. for the listeners too, because you know, I you know that I know that about you from all the mm-hmm. from all the videos and playtests <laughs> from from Phantom Fellows, but it's like. Because anybody listening might want to like interject and be like, well, hold on, with the top-down menu in Sierra, you have to go up and get the thing and go back down. But but yeah, the, the difference there is that with the LucasArts, there is no there is no right-click cycling through. There's no way to really cheat that. You have to go down, pick up the verb you want, and bring it back up to the thing. Um, and and so that's that's your that's the bone you're picking with this. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Which I didn't actually clearly have defined until you just put it all together for me. Yes, Paul, that is exactly why I'm not as big of a fan, even though it's very straightforward and simple and, you know, there technically is nothing wrong with it. Right. I hate extra steps. Of course, you might've noticed that about me when I'm playing the game. I don't like to have to take extra steps if I don't have to. I think the listeners take notice. That's, that's how you properly mansplain to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So I'll I'll come I'll come a little bit to its defense and say Huh. Fight, fight, you, you fight. Made, no, fight. you made you made a lot of really good points. <laughs> Cause I'm wondering if I how much of it I like from nostalgia. It's not necessarily nostalgia, because I really I love Thimbleweed Park, as everyone knows, and that, that uses the same interface. In fact, I'll say that um, the Dolores mini game that came out afterwards, um, mm-hmm. which was Ron just churning out like another engine, um, that that was more of like a two click sort of deal, and I I didn't like it. It's just, but we'll get to that later, and as to why I don't like that kind of stuff. But like the hmm, I don't I don't mind the up and down, but I think you're onto something where there's less exploration because. There's there's something in the way of you exploring. It's it's honestly I, I I guess if I was to really analyze it, I'd say that the verb system is quite similar to parser in that I'm going to be more prone to trying to immediately find what I need to get through as opposed to mm-hmm. just playing. And and mm-hmm. that's that's maybe the beauty of of the of the point and click systems, whether it's you know what the one that Sam and Max used or the Sierra style one where it's like it's it's very inviting to being playful and, and, and exploration in general whereas the verb thing it's like yeah I might not want to um yeah I might not want to click all of these things on everything I'm probably more likely to just to try and find the solution the one that's gonna that's the one that's gonna work but at the same time like that with adventure games it's like you're pretty much looking interacting or talking so it's like it's mm-hmm. it's almost like you know that the other ones are superfluous or or, or they're, they're circumstance based or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, are you next to a bookshelf? Because then you probably want push rather than talk to. Right, right. Or yeah, I, I, I'm thinking too. I have like this vague memory of Monkey Island One where I remember there was one of the commands you. I think you only used it once in the entire game. <laughs> which, which you know, I'm not a precise man, so that, that could be me saying 
under five times. Let's just say, just in case yeah. it like upset somebody. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'll learn Lucas maybe, maybe it was turn on or turn off. But like, I just remember, like, I remember the, when I finally clicked it while doing a playthrough of it. It's like seven years ago, so I don't remember. But I just remember being like, oh wow, I haven't used this all game. And then I don't remember <laughs> using it again after that. And, and then it made me think of the real estate that that had to take up just to be there one single time. So it's definitely not the, probably the 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 most streamlined way. All right, I'm going to wrap it up by just saying I think that I defend it a lot in part because of the Dolores minigame, where mm-hmm. if it's this versus a very simplified two-click system, I'd rather this because it does offer an element of exploration and playfulness that, that you just you don't get with, with the, the really uh, goal-oriented setup that is the two-click. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Phew, that was that was actually kind of painful to get through. <laughs> so, yeah, to talk. I mean, which which leads us into the two click interface. So I I'd, I'd like you to hit just a couple of examples. What did we do? We hit that we, least favorite. Okay, we can do that at the end of the episode. Let Let's go to two click. Let's talk about that a little bit because clearly this is a place where we have some opinions. Right, and this is this is the direction that that adventure games have mostly gone is into the the two click territory. Um, I think beneath the steel sky is, is maybe, I don't know if it's like the pioneer from it, but I'll say like, for example, in adventure game studio, um, there's templates. Um, one would be Sierra style. One would be nine verb style. And the other would be uh, bass style beneath the steel sky style, which, which is in this context, the two click option. Um, mm-hmm. So, so in other words, you know, m- many of the, the uh, amazing point and click uh, games from AGS that, that listeners that you guys have played were done in a, in a bass template, let's just say, um, to kind of mm-hmm. simplify things. So Beneath the Steel Sky, Broken Sword, um, Gemini Rue, uh, Blackwell Legacy, just just a mix of classic and, and modern ones that use it. Just to, again, for everybody listening to get in into the mindset of exactly what we're talking about here. And it's, it's just a very simplified, um, what, left-click interaction, right-click observation? Yeah, essentially, and usually right click observate or yeah, left. What is it? Yeah, left to do something with it. No, left to look and right to do something with it, I think. Right, right. Because usually you look or left, first. left. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look left, right, right, left, right, what right, left. Okay. <laughs> it's got very sticky all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> My everything around me is always sticky. <laughs> it's all sticky. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so what I'll, I'll start off by saying is, like, it's the, – the pros and – this is such a revered and appreciated and highly regarded interface that even AI was was dickish about it, where I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. give me give me some pros and cons for all of these interfaces. And and, and it was, like, for, for the two-click, it said that the pro would be simplifies gameplay, highly accessible. Cons might reduce depth in interactions. Like, even, even AI didn't want to fully say – it's like it might it, – I don't think it does, but it might. Like, no, fuck you. It totally does. It completely reduces the depth of interactions. And it. Re- I would even say that it robs you of, of a great deal of exploration in a mm-hmm. genre called adventure. <laughs> right. Which is funny because, okay, enhanced exploration, if that's the angle that it's trying to go with, you can get like enriching the game's narrative setting and the second click allowing for deeper interaction. But to me, that's like an overlay you've put over it to kind of share an idea with people that aren't used to playing adventure games. They're saying like maybe reducing complexity. I've heard it said that it means, oh, it's because you don't have to navigate through multiple menus or icons to perform a single action. The game is now more accessible, especially for beginners. 
for beginners. So our point of view on this is very dependent on the amount of experience we have with this style of game. But if I was to say, share a game like this with a friend of mine that had never played an adventure game, I'd probably go for two click for the sake of giving them the ability to play it at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it is, it's, there's so much about what you just said to, to really, I'm trying to decide where to jump into like one. It's like, they're trying to enhance immersion by simplifying the gameplay. And I, that's, that's <laughs> right. Just the, your laughter alone is my point where it's like, dude, <sighs> I, you're going to lose immersion. The more simple you make it. And my other argument, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to get into old rants that our listeners have been put through enough times by now, really is, is a lot of my hesitation <laughs> right now. Cause I just, I don't want to do that to them again. Because they all know basically more or less, they even know this ominous feeling of where Paul's about to go with this. And we all know it. I'm trying not to, and I'm going to lose that war, but, but it's like, okay. Like you, you had said like, like uh, even, even the AI says here accessibility and you worded it as, as you know, uh, a, it's accessible to beginners or getting people into mm-hmm. it. And it's just like, dude, this isn't red dead redemption. Like this is an adventure game. You look at shit and you touch it and maybe you talk to it. The end. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. dude. There's, there's no like L2 for aim and R1 for trigger, like the, the reloading. There's no, there's, I, I, to this day, I don't understand. Like I fired up, um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I actually want to leave it nameless. Cause I don't, I'm not, I'm not shitting on it. Cause it is, it's probably what I'll end up doing, which is offering. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's literally what I was working on last month, which was a tutorial for an adventure game because everybody else is. So I kind of have to. <laughs> but the point is, is like, this is an adventure game. They're just like, hey, if you need some on screen help with this, like everything with adventure games has gotten so, God, I sound so old and like back in my day, you know, I like iron was heavier than, than aluminum. But it's just like, dude, like, I, I think there's like this big fear that people, aren't going to be able to get into adventure games because of the controls. And, and that baffles mm-hmm. me. I don't, I don't understand that because at, at its, at its most complex, there, there's three or four things that you're doing. So I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get that. And I don't, I don't appreciate, like, I don't appreciate the simplified gameplay when it's already a simplified genre. You know what they're doing though? They're making the gameplay simplified and then putting in difficult puzzles. So, okay, you lose your interactivity in the game itself, but all of the interactivity is essentially directed towards puzzles, which is A, a time extender, and B, I think a lot of people say that. Like, people are playing adventure games for some story and for some puzzles. And I mean, even looking at the way that you're designing your game, I mean, we're not exactly going to puzzles in that same way that a lot of adventure games are typically doing that. In fact, you're using interactivity, narration, and the story to engage the player, right? So two-click is like two-clicking until you get to a puzzle and then two-clicking some more, and then you get to a puzzle over and over and over again until the end of the game. Right. Thank you. Okay. I really appreciate that because it's it's great points, and it's it's also some like a fresh – angle I can give listeners, which I really wanted because I didn't want to go through that whole thing again. So yeah, that, that's an exact, that's a great point because I think, I don't think players, I don't think adventure gamers like puzzles as much as they're told they do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, and mazes. I mean, how many adventure gamers have you met? And they're like, fuck yeah, mazes are the best. I wish games had more mazes. Right, exactly. And it's like, it's... It, there, there is something that's that's a bit mm, 
there's something almost self-beneficial to being like, yes, I like puzzles. I'm a, I'm a, per, I'm a person of, of, of brains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm an intellectual. I enjoy solving the odd puzzle because I can, and I have the you know, mental fortitude to get through it. But the reality is, is like, I think, I think it, it, it uh, for a lot of us with adventure games and, and for, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to even. I'm not going to say the Sierra thing because it's not Sierra players. It's all adventure gamers. Like growing up, the, one of the best parts of adventure games was exploring the environment and being reward for, rewarded for doing so. So you bring up a lovely and much, much. Uh, just you articulated it so much better than than I'm attempting to right now. But your point being that I stand by is that it's not so much puzzles and story. It's I think it's it's story and exploration mm-hmm. and. With the simplified two-click interface, you lose a ton of exploration. And now I'm not I'm not advocating to like you know the, the developers should kill themselves by using like a sniff icon like Space Quest Four, <laughs> but but that is at least back in in the direction of like or, or even the nine verb or previous one where there's there's several different things you could try for everything and you can just explore, um, see what the developer thought of, see what the character that you're invested in has to say about doing certain things. Whereas we're heading into that spoon fed territory of like, don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you when it's important. Like, look, if, 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 if we wrote lines for it, then you'll be able to click on it. If not, don't worry about it. And, and a lot of the modern interfaces, like with the two click and the bass interfaces, you click on something that's clickable, first of all, which is, is annoying to me. I'd like everything to be a hotspot, but okay. If, if that's too much, I can understand that to a degree. You click on it, and then it's like, okay, now that you've clicked on it, you can either look at it or you can interact with it, left or right click. If it's something that you can take, then there'll be a third option for you to click that you can take it. And it's like, it's just, I get that it saves a lot of development time, especially for indie developers. I get that. But I don't, I don't think that's really part of the conversations when it comes to making the best game that we can all make. And so when it comes down to that, yeah, just I think you hit the nail on the head. The puzzles aren't as fun as... The adventure gamers are told that they are like I, 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 a lot of us, a lot of us nowadays, it's like, I feel like it's this dirty secret in a sense. And I'm like on the verge of exposing it. And everyone's like, Shh, don't say it, dude. But I feel like tons of adventure gamers use walkthroughs and they mm-hmm. just, they just want to experience the fucking story. They don't want to spend six days on a puzzle anymore because mm-hmm. we all have a steam library with a thousand games in it. We all have access to the walkthrough. That's half the problem is like this, mm-hmm. this like, you know, like the apple that aviate is evade is sitting right there. We can all just bite into it and get past this horrible puzzle or, mm-hmm. or not horrible, but difficult puzzle. And yeah, I think you articulated it perfectly where it's like, instead of puzzle and, and story, maybe it should be exploration and story and the puzzles, the puzzles need to be engaging. I'm not saying skip puzzles. That's, that is a huge mm-hmm. part of adventure games. And I do appreciate puzzles and that, yes, they do have to be in that pocket of not insanely mm-hmm. easy, but not insanely hard and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the main point is, is that the emphasis at some point shifted away from exploration and into simplicity. And, and again, if you were to try and sell that to me based on like a, a with a platform of like, hey, we're going to try and simplify how you interact with a massive on-world multiplayer Red Dead sort of game. It's like, okay, actually, yeah, that game is really confusing. Maybe you could dumb it down for me. But we're talking mm-hmm. about adventure games, yo. You just, you just, <laughs> you touch shit, you look at shit, and you talk to shit. And that's it. We don't, we don't need it to be that much more simple. And yeah, there is bad game design, but that doesn't, I don't feel like we should redesign how the player interacts because a few devs made you know can't say that word uh you know 
specific not, choices. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. That was super PC. I appreciate that. So yeah, okay. All right. I think we're surviving this rant. It's it sounded kind of you know it's, it's it's kind of a fresh take on it. Um, I, the other thing, you know, the other aspect too with this is that it's it really benefits not only it benefits two things that, that I should contend with. To be fair, one of them is mobile gaming. If you're going to port it to mm-hmm. mobile, it's a, it's a huge benefit to be able to have it for mobile. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I, I mean, again, I don't. We've had this talk with a couple of our guests recently too, where it's like I don't know a lot of people that play adventure games on a phone anyway. I really yeah. don't. Like maybe maybe on a square. Sorry, <laughs> maybe on a <laughs> tablet. <laughs> It's more fun to set up an adventure game to run on a tablet, Paul, I think right. for a lot of us than it yes. is to actually play it like, look, my tablet can play these games. This is awesome. Look, this one and this one and this one. And then you look at it and you play it for a few minutes. You're like, okay, I feel satisfied. I have accomplished something. Put away the tablet, play a game on a computer. Exactly. Yeah, you, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I said that in unison with, with at least a couple dozen listeners. So so there, there's that. And then the other angle is is streamers and, and playthroughs and YouTubers and stuff like that, where it's like they 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 want this kind of thing. They want quick exit hotspots, you know, any things to make the and and the problem the danger there is that they're they're a loud voice in the community for how things should be because they're the YouTubers that we all listen to. They're they're the loudest ones on the highest pedestal. And mm-hmm. so I think it's it's wise to just be a little bit careful as far as motivations are concerned. And it's not to say yeah. like there's these like evil YouTubers out there with malevolent intentions or anything like that. So No, they're they're not out there being like, oh my what okay, it's not that they're evil, but they really are. They're they're catering to a demographic. It's like, I want this to be fast, I want this to be engaging, I want this to have progression, and I want it to be interesting. I can't think about it because I'm also interacting with my audience. I can't problem mm. solve the same way. So I just need to be able to guide myself through this enough that I'm exciting enough to eventually monetize so that I can make money. And okay, take this in a sideways view. Imagine you start a business and it's a rather profitable business Profitable business, and you have two choices. You can expand it by making it bigger and, and hiring more people and making the business bigger, or you can take it to an investor and say, hey, could, could you invest in my business? But certain businesses aren't like that. Like, yes, this is a profitable business for you, but it won't make money for an investor and you won't be able to pay them back. So you can't take the game in that direction. Like, so a YouTuber can't take an adventure game to an investor because it's just, he's going to be like, this is, this is bullshit. You're going to get stuck. You're going to be stuck figuring out a puzzle for four hours while people are watching you. Nobody's going to watch this. This isn't something I can invest in, but then you're going to come in with some fast, quick hotspots are there two click interface. Everything's you can progress right through it. The puzzles, Mm -hmm. the, the people in the audience can help you. It moves fast. And the investors like this, this, this is where you can take it to the next level. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right, and it, it that strikes so many notes with streamers as well, where it's like, yeah, it's, it's nice and simple. They can they can just the the idea that they can multitask between not playing the game and playing the game is should be a huge red flag. Where it's like, hey, they, they need- don't want to feel stupid. They don't want to feel dumb when you're watching right. them. And a right. game, you know how dumb you feel playing a game you can't figure out even alone when nobody's watching you. Right, exactly. I mean, the, the feeling dumb is what gives you that that payoff, that dopamine hit mm-hmm. of like, ah, oh, I finally got it. You know, like it's. But yeah, like you said, when they simplify the the everything down to where they can they can multitask, it's basically it's it's t- steering adventure games in the direction of what streamers and uh, YouTubers want is 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 a bad move because their intentions mm-hmm. are different. They need to get through things quicker. Like the last thing that people want to see on a stream, or that they at least want to stream, is somebody just like 
having a saunter through a game. Like I'm just going to walk around this room, click on all the things, laugh, you know, uh, uh, quietly to myself. Like it's, it's, it, none of that really, none of that really helps them, but it is, I think it's more what players want. Like, okay. What you want when you're watching a stream might not be what you want when you're playing a game. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, Yes. Paul, well said, actually really well said. So when you're playing the game, you want to be able to explore. You want to be able to get just frustrated enough to where you get the dopamine hit because nothing is free. We're not, you're not going to get these giant payoffs unless you put in some work. Like that is, mm-hmm. that's just a universe life thing. It's not an adventure game thing. That's an everything thing where it's like, there is a cost for everything. And if you don't pay for something, you're not going to get the dopamine hit. And if you mm-hmm. find, if you're finding more and more like adventure games lackluster or you're getting less and less payoffs, it's because there's less and less to do. It's like you walk a, a Back to the streaming thing. It's like a streamer walks on a screen. They want to know, what can I click on? All right, I'm in a new room. What can I click on? What's a hotspot? That's a hotspot. Great. Which one of these things on the shelf is the thing that I need? Because we got to keep moving. I've got to stream. Hey, thanks for the sub, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now next. And it's just like this different world of, of playing. It's 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 a presentation. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not an immersive experience. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I yeah, that's, that's, I guess my biggest issue with that kind of stuff is, is seeing seeing the adventure games kind of lose a lot of the magic of what they were and what they could still be for the, mm-hmm. at the sake of, of ease and simplicity. And then I just, it makes me feel like everyone's lying to themselves because this mm-hmm. isn't a difficult genre to play. There's not a <laughs> lot of controls. There's just, I, I'm not going to say it for, yeah, I'm going to say it for like a fifth time. You look, you interact, you talk. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you use mm-hmm. a thing on a thing bonus, but it's like, that's mm-hmm. it, dude. That is it. Like, can we stop pretending like this is like, some complex interface of, uh, of just an endless amount of possibilities as you wind down a narrative road. It's like, it's just, you just, you just walk around a room and human, you poke shit, you look at shit, you talk to a person. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to pretend like it's complicated. So that's why we simplified it. And anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting ranty and off and away from the point, but yeah. It's all right. I'm going to sidestep from the point. I got to get this out. As we were talking about interface, I clued in that there's another way to interact with games in this specific way. When you're looking at a room as a character, the game can either say, like, look light, right? The game can say, the light has an orange yellow glow. The light is very satisfied, whatever it is, right? Or the game can be like, have the character interact with light. Wow, that light really has an orange glow. Right. So narration versus, yeah. yeah. Versus whose point of view? Are you looking at a room as in like overhead, this is a table, or are you looking at the room like, oh, a table? Nah, I don't feel like doing anything at the table right now. So is the room talking to you or is the character talking to you about the room? And I think that's another part of how far into a game I can get absorbed. Because if it's like generic room, then I'm talking to the room and the room is showing me what's in the room. But I want to I want to hear about the room from the character's point of view. What do you think of this room, buddy? Right. Right. That is that is interesting. That's that's something that I know divides people quite a bit where they can be they can be quite passionately against narration, I guess it would be from mm-hmm. from my recollection. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is quite interesting because it, it does change it changes the the kind of the entire dynamic of the game in a sense because mm-hmm. it, it 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 the narrator well I'm thinking specifically of like Space Quest where it gives you a mm-hmm. whole 
Gary Owens became a character in that game in a sense, right? The narrator uh, becomes a character in the game. That's another way too, right? Because now it's not the room talking and it's not your main character talking. It's a third person talking like God up in the sky somewhere that can kind of see all, hear all, see all, and be all, which is, is it's like a third voice. That's really cool. I didn't even think of that. Right. Yeah. See, and I, I don't know if it's just because of how much I like Gary Owens that I, that I really that I really liked it. Maybe, maybe it's another I thing. I like that, narrators, man. I love narrators. <laughs> I, I wonder if it lends itself better to comedy than other genres. I, I'm, I'm failing to think, well, okay. Gabriel Knight. Documentaries yeah. about nature. <laughs> yeah. Anything with that. And bro, that's, it, but, but Gabriel Knight had a narrator and yes, she was like painfully slow. And that's, I think a lot of people's mm-hmm. issue with that narration was more the right. pacing of it than yeah. the fact that there was a narrator. Um, yeah, that's Quest interesting. It was kind of like that. The King's Quest narrator voice was like a storyteller. It was somebody that opened a book and was reading you a story. Alexander wasn't sure if he was able to pick that up. Right. Right. Yeah. There's but something like not in the same way as Gary Owens. It was different, a little different. Right. It was more, uh, I don't know. It was more comforting. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it was done from like the fairy tale perspective, there was something, mm-hmm. The person reading the book has now stopped to describe something to you. They're going to go back to reading the book. Right. To you. It was almost like, wow, I'm glad somebody knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the middle of King's Quest, it's like, okay, well, this guy knows what's going on. That's comforting. And speaking of King's Quest, I mean, let's talk about that. We haven't even touched upon our, like our alma mater, our Sierra style point and click interface. Right. Right. So Sierra style point and click interface, that would be where you could right click cycle for anybody. I mean, everybody again, listening knows exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> Any Sierra VGA game. Um, there's not a lot of modern examples of it, believe it or not, probably on the believe side for people listening, but uh, gray matter um, and cognition. So the, uh, mm-hmm. the Pinkerton road stuff like Jane Jensen stuff uh, was, was doing it, but yeah, it's, 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 it's not survived. Um, it's not survived the, the course of time so well. Um, mm-hmm. Then again, I guess in hindsight, nothing has except for the two click. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything basically is two click nowadays. So besides some, some more like one off or unique interfaces that we'll get to. Um, but yeah, this, this basically went the way of nine verb, I guess it's fair enough to say. Um, Cause there are, you know, I think another other modern examples would be um, infamous quests, right? Uh, like heroine's mm-hmm. quests and things like that. I, I I'm Yeah. So okay. Anyways, yeah. So this one, um, why don't you why don't you start on it? What do you how do you feel about it? I mean, rhetorically, but you know. Well, I mentioned when it first existed, I hated it. When Leisure Suit Larry Five came out, I was, I was uh, it was holding my hand, and I was so mad at it. I'm like, damn you! I've been playing you and various versions of you for years. And now here you are holding my hand, walking me through this Sierra style point and click interface. And I was almost resented, you know, resented of it like at the time, but like, right. okay, now I'm, I'm fond of it and I love it. And like you said, I right click through it. So it's, it's not very often I'm going to take my, you know, thing, go up to the menu and click on it, but I will do it to access the main menu instead of escape sometimes. 
My point is, okay, going back, and we've mentioned this before too, when I would right click in a Sierra game, it would always be a different amount of clicks because either you would be or you wouldn't be holding an inventory item. So I'd always do, do that, right? You skip by what you want to click on. And you're like, oh shit, there it was. It's after walk. And then you go back and it's like, it's not like the order has changed, but the amount of clicks has changed. So I'd always, that's that. I've been overshooting on that forever. And I've been using this interaction method for a long time. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's always, it's always, it's always fun to watch anybody like doing playthroughs on YouTube or anything like do, doing the cycle with the mouse. Cause you see them go past the thing and then, and then line themselves up for it the next time. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. Cause I don't, I, do, I don't, I don't care for that. I mean, maybe it's not interesting. It's like the, the way I went about doing Phantom Foes was very custom to exactly how I wanted it. And that's probably not, a weird thing to hear. It's like, if you're going to do your own game, then you should probably make it how, how, what you think the ideal is or what your own ideal is or whatever. And mine really is a hybrid. Like I, like ultimately Phantom Foes has a Sierra style system, but, but I'm, I, I, I'm so heavy on the keyboard that, that I prefer it that way. I guess I was looking for like a, like a blend between AGI and point and click. Cause I really mm-hmm. like arrow control. I like walking the characters with the arrow. And then it's like, if you're already on the keyboard, then just like LIT for look, interact, touch, LIT, one, two, three, do the same things. And it's like, it's all just there. It's like, you're only, you only have to press one, two or three, and then subconsciously controlling with the arrow. So it's like, even, I guess what I'm saying is even though I went with the Sierra style, um, there's still, there are still things about it that, that, that annoy me that I also kind of circumvented with the keyboard. Um, but I, I guess I don't know. I guess, I, I guess a lot of a lot of the reason that we've ended up in the situation we have, as far as having the two click take precedence, is because it's it's there's it's hard to come up with a clean a totally clean system for this for, for point and click. And we've been through this like off air like quite a lot with with Phantom Fellow stuff. We're just trying to find like the the most ideal situation. Like one of the things that Anna inspired in development was what she just brought up with the right clicking. Um, where it's like, if you have an inventory, let's say it's five clicks to cycle through. And if you don't, then it's four clicks. And you kind of subconsciously start feeling where interact is from, from any given point. So it's like, I know that I click four times from here to get there. But if you have an inventory or you don't, the amount of clicks is now different. And I, and that may or may not be, I think it is, but that may or may not be a, a reason that people overshoot and undershoot what they're trying to go for. So for development of Phantom Fellows, I, a swing that I took at trying to fix this problem was if you don't have an inventory item, then you have um, your, your satchel, your fanny pack, your backpack, your thing that holds your inventory um, is, is a cursor icon. So that way every right click is the same amount, no matter what It's always five clicks all the way through, whether you have an, an active inventory or not. And then you might say, well, okay, what's the, what do you do with, with a backpack for a cursor? Or in, in the specific case, it's a, fan, a fanny pack. It doesn't matter. So it's like, well, what do you do with that as a cursor? And so my solution to that was that you can, once that's your selected cursor, you click it anywhere on the screen to quickly open up your inventory. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I feel like it makes logical sense. Like if if your yeah, cursor, then you is don't your need to go to the bottom to grab it, and it saves that trip that I was complaining about in the nine group. Right, right, right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Just bringing back like a two-year-old conversation we had that inspired this to begin with. Again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, I think I think there's I guess what we're getting at is that there's there's ways to improve the 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 Sierra system. Like I, I almost feel like mm-hmm. people gave up on it too soon and and quickly just again everybody's really leaned into this two-click thing and and 
I guess my example isn't something that, that I was asked by Jack um, from Adventure Game Hotspot when we when we were guests on their show. Um, when when he was just asking reasons as to why I wasn't going with two click, and I remember saying, "Well, you know, with modern adventure games, they they tell you what you can do where." So it's like uh, I was playing Techno Babylon, and I, and I was kind of testing it. I'm like, "Well, what is you know again? What are what are modern games doing when it comes to clicking on a person?" And so with a two-click, a very simple interface where you're not selecting icons, you're not telling the game what you want to do. You're letting the game tell you what you want to do. You click mm-hmm. on a person, and they just start to talk. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, that's the most common thing you'd do by clicking on another an NPC in your game. But mm-hmm. what if, first of all, it's an adventure game you want to explore and just, you know, for, for the, 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 the charming sake of exploration, you know, hear these, these lines that the developers may or may not have written, etc. But also, furthermore, I'd invite you to just imagine, like, okay, what if you're writing a, a comedy, something that's mm-hmm. supposed to be funny? Imagine, like, how many potential, how much potential for laughs I would lose if when the player was the ghost in my game that, and they clicked on a person, an NPC, it, that it automatically triggered, you know, talking. Like there, right. there's, there's a lot of potential in, in a ghost touching um, mm-hmm. a person, you know, that, that doesn't know that they're in the room. And there's a lot of potential in the ghost talking to somebody that they might not be able to hear. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's, then there's just the overall interest or potential in, in the look at like, well, if I look at him, he'll, he'll, so, the, so, so in Phantom Fellows again, like the the main character is Oliver and the ghost is Engelbert. They're both they're both quite different, and and Engelbert is is a bit stiffer and and a bit dr- uh, not drier, but just uh, he's a bit more skeptical, a bit more just ne- on the negative spectrum of things, because um, you know he's fucking dead, and that's a bummer. He's a realist too, you know, just right, a little right. bit more, a little bit less like up in the air, which is funny because he's a ghost. Right, right. But so, so it's like. The, the opportunity there is, is to learn twice as much about an NPC, about a character that, that's, you know, a big part of the game, let's say. You can learn twice as much about him or learn the same thing about him, but from two totally different perspectives. And I just, I, again, that's all to me. It's just world building and enriching and interesting to be able to, like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times in the game, just, just being more blunt about it is Oliver will just kind of dick off and, and go for the laugh and he'll say something mm-hmm. just funny and, and irreverent or childlike or whatever. That's, that's hopefully funny. And that's that. And then it's like, okay, okay. But what, what, what is the thing really do though? And then Engelbert's your guy to actually tell you what the fuck is going on with it. And, mm-hmm. and that's all that stuff to me is just, it's just world building and enhancing and, and things that the Sierra style interface gives you is the ability to mm-hmm. get the absolute most out of exploring a game that you possibly can. I think uh, Al Emo in The Lost Dutchman's Mine really touched on that again, too. It, it made it sort of the classic Sierra-style menu, and it was you can click on everything and interact on everything. And it made sure that it had jokes all the way through for everything you did, and it didn't miss any opportunities. And the style of you know games and the like that it was sort of based upon. Hmm. It's, you know, it's not super modern, I think 15 years ago now. So it's just before all the modern classics kind of started rolling out. It was the first time, like, because it was right after the Quest for Glory remakes had been done by the company. So it was like, to me, this was just like, oh my gosh, adventure games are coming back. This is a real thing. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. So th- was it, was that HGD? Now Himalaya? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay. They were kind of the four, they were, when you first got the internet and you loaded it up, these were the people on your computer saying, hey, no, you're not alone. And other people do still like them. Right. Right. And you bring up an interesting point too, where it's like, I think a lot of the Sierra style interface depends on the game having 
lots of hotspots. You know, ideally mm-hmm. everything is clickable, and 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 that's I mean, perhaps that's a discussion just for another day. We we would need like a guest on to bring some sort of balance to it to say like, hey, here's here's why it's that that's an unrealistic ask for a lot of indie devs or whatever the case, whatever the argument against that is. There's a lot of writing actually because you're doing two characters looking, interacting with everything in the whole game, which means for every item you have to do look interact look interact right it's a lot it is yeah no it's it's absolutely a lot but i i would i don't know if i have the grounds to stand on to say this but i would maybe make the argument that if i only had one player character that Mm -hmm. that it's it's not that it wouldn't be a lot but but that it would be manageable I'm not saying that what I'm doing is unmanageable because it just barely is. Um, but it's a lot. Like I wouldn't impose what I'm doing on anybody else where it's like, dude, yeah. you know, the way they bounce back and forth from each other, the two characters, your ability, because, okay, imagine in the game that you, as the ghost, you look at something, you'll say something about it. Your partner says something about it. You say something about it. A little joke happens. And it's like a tiny little Abbott and Costello comedy sketch. That just happened. So not only have you learned a little bit about the item, you've been made to laugh and, oh my God, it's so worth it. And then in some cases you have the other person's response playing off of it. So now you've got this like deep layered thing for looking at a freaking counter, dude. Like Right, what? right. No, thank you. That's very nice of you to say, first of all. And then to, to your point too, it's like, yeah, you can build... You can do all kinds of little callbacks and, you know, really create... I hope, hopefully creating like almost like that... that um, uh, on a much lesser scale, obviously, than The Simpsons, but that same sort of vibe where by the end of it, it's like, you, you know, you've got like this tiny little world and, and there's been enough mm-hmm. setups to and payoffs to where, you know, you have like these these callbacks that you're like, ah, I remember that from day two, you know, like that's that's ultimately <laughs> that's kind of the goal. Um, and and yeah, I mean, they, I, OK, so so it's harder to do this many. It's harder, I guess, to, to have everything interactable when you have two mm-hmm. players, but. Um, to, to, to take away credit for myself, it's easier um, in the sense that, that I have this 2.5D world where it's like, um, mm-hmm. and I just learned the other day that that's the best way to explain that to people, but it's like the, you only walk on the x-axis. There's only left and right. There's no up and down. Um, so I think when you present a world like that in, in this 2.5D thing, there's there's kind of almost no excuse not to have everything be a hotspot because it's all just very right there. There's no pixel hunting. There's no anything. It's like, there's a, you know, there's, there's a shelf with six things on it. Like how am I going to straight face, not let you click on all the things there? But I don't Mm -hmm. know, I guess, I guess that's what games do now. They, they circumvent that by giving you the hotspot highlight where it's just like, you you kind of, your eyes, (laughs) it kind of lowers you away from all the things you can't click on. And it says, Hey, look over here. This is the thing you can click on. Look, it's highlighted and it's lit up and there's a bright neon color. Click here, click here. And you kind of forget, like, what about all this other shit you can't click on? What the hell? Yeah, like one thing in a room. Sometimes it's like you've got this intricate room. It looks really cool. And where can you go? Door. I can go to the door. That's the only thing I can interact with in this whole. Why did you even bother making the screen? It should have been a blank fucking screen with a door. (laughs) That's it. Because that's all I can do anything with. (laughs) <laughs> well, one of our big takeaways from this episode so far is is you really you really hit the nail on the head when you because we we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about puzzles and and just just being skeptical about people's interest in let's let's specify hard puzzles and it's like I don't know man I don't think adventure gamers want really difficult puzzles these days I mean they don't want difficult anything first of all so don't mm-hmm. like basically don't come at me for saying that because it's like it's it's the whole the whole genre has leaned away from from 
the, the least amount of challenge. Like everything is just like, like not only is it a two click system, but like they'll offer like a on-screen tutorial to teach you how to click the two buttons that you can click. I, I don't understand. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Point being is that I, one of the biggest takeaways from this episode would be that, that maybe, maybe there has been, there is a little bit of a misconception going on where it's like, we don't want hard puzzles but we, we want immersive storytelling. And I think for immersive storytelling, you need immersive environments. And so maybe if we, if we gave the player a little bit more freedom to explore, you, you could take up slack in the puzzle area. You don't have to stress yourself out with like, you know, just insane multi, you know, just puzzle dependency charts that take up like, you know, a poster size board. Like maybe we don't need that anymore. Maybe that, maybe that fit better before the internet. And when you had a whole game, when you had a game that you had to get through a whole summer with, it's like, okay, that, that worked perfectly then. But like, I don't think people want that anymore. And and I think, yeah, I don't think anybody would really even argue that so much. So it's like, okay, well, if everyone's going to walk through like the puzzles, then, then we're, yeah, I don't know. We're very close to adventure games just playing themselves. (laughs) And it's just, yeah. Cause I was just saying sanitarium, right? What is, what do most people say about that game? That game was amazing up until you got to say like the Aztec area or like the alien computer stuff. And then the puzzles got so ridiculously complicated. You couldn't even use a walkthrough. You're literally having to follow a video frame by frame to finish the puzzle. That's what I hear people say. I don't hear people saying, oh my gosh, the last level in sanitarium was so hard. The Aztec stuff, because it took me months to figure out the puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) Came home from work every day and put in my two hours. And you know, when it finally hit, I was, you know, yeah, exactly. That's just, that's, that's, that's a time that's passed us now. So um, all right, I, we, I, I'm sorry. I, I steered us back into shitting on two clicks, and and and, and it's, it's not even fair in the sense that there's a lot of awesome two click games. Like I, I, there is. Our listeners know how much we enjoyed, let's say, Techno Babylon or Kathy Rain or a lot of the games that, that use oh God, yeah. more simplistic interfaces. It can be done well. Um, I guess. I guess. I, if anything, if I was better, if I was better at manipulating an audience, I would have framed this as um, not being not being more hard on two click, but being less hard on Sierra style or nine verbs and, and not being mm-hmm. so, I don't know, quick, quick to dismiss things that, that aren't, you know, just get me through this fucking game. I hate it. And I don't want to be playing. It. Well, what about, okay, well, verb coin. Cause that's not quite like any of the others. It's actually in some ways it's kind of close to how Gemini Roo was, but with a coin interface, you click on your item, your little menu is going to pop up and then you can choose what you're going to do in the game through that little menu. Yeah. Verb coin is, uh, I don't know. It gives, it, it's, it gives me almost a little bit of anxiety. It's, it reminds me of how it's weird. Cause adventure gamers kind of, for the most part, seem to not like verb coin. And I agree with them on that. I, I don't like, I don't really like the verb coin interface, but it is, it's oddly has a home in a lot of, um, a lot of like PlayStation console games, like, um, or games that are ported to PlayStation consoles, but are also mm. PC. Right, right. Like because Deponia series, I think Broken Age uses them. Uh, Wet Dreams Don't Dry, if I recall, used it. There's a few. Yeah, it's, it's strange how, like, um, I, cause, I mean, first of all, I have very few examples outside of the adventure genre besides Red Dead 2, but then also Anna's been playing it a little bit on the side. So, so as mm-hmm. a common example, like you'll you, the way you select a weapon or select a thing, select inventory, right? Is is mm-hmm. you you bring up the, the the coin, the wheel, 
and you, mm-hmm. you move the, the thing to the thing and then you let it go on the thing. And like, I just, yeah. I don't like that. It feels very yeah. out of control. Like at no point do I feel any sort of precision. I just feel very like, okay, I kind of move it here and kind of like four o'clock and then let go and hopefully it selects. And, and Vermcoin and Adventure Games has a similar feel to it, where it just has like mm-hmm. this little bit of imprecision and, and clunkiness that that's, that's weird. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't hate it, but I'm not, I'm not crazy about it. It's like an extra layer of like a wall in front of playing your game somehow. It's like, I can do this, but first you must get through this trial. Right, right, exactly. And I would almost say it's, uh, again, we highlighted earlier, like the swing that I'm taking at, at circumventing the cycle issue of, of cycling mm-hmm. past the thing. But I think Verbquim was, was perhaps... A, an attempted solution to that to the exact same problem you know people are again like early 90s development wise everyone's looking at each other to see what's going on um you see sierra doing this thing and and, and so i don't know, maybe you work at revolution or whatever and um or lucas and you, you give one of their games a try and it's like man the cycle thing's a little annoying because i keep overshooting it and then and then we have just to this day there, I, I've concluded that there is no perfect solution, um, but I think I think the verb coin is a result of trying to find that that perfect solution of of where the player gets more than two options, um, but it's in like a neat, tidy little package, and it's all right there. Um, you you hinted at Gemini Ru. To anybody that hasn't played that, it's it's again, it's it's not. It's almost like a, a if you if you smash verb coin and Sierra together. Um, Cause you mm-hmm. basically get a tiny Sierra top down menu where a verb coin would be. Um, right. And it shows you your inventory. It's very tiny because it has to be, cause it's popping up right in the middle of, of the play screen. But, but it, yeah, t- a tiny little square pops up with, with your inventory and, and the three or four basic commands. And it's, it, again, it's, I think it's just another attempt to be like, Hey, we want them to have more than this two click option. Um, mm-hmm. but we don't want them to like, you know, be cycling through and missing the thing and circling back again over and over and over and over again. And we don't want them to have to go down to pick up a verb or up to grab something from a menu. We, you know, we yeah. want it all to happen right here. So again, they, I don't think they, this is a perfect solution, but this is another swing at it. It's, I think like in intention, it's meant to be time saving. Cause it's like, you don't need to go figuring stuff out all over the place to take it where you want to take it. You, you just want to click on the thing and we'll show you all the options you can do with the thing. So like in theory, that's a great idea. Right. Cause it does circumvent the traveling. Like, like you didn't like mm-hmm. with the nine verb, like having to go down and pick up, you know, the, the verb that you want and then go, go up the screen and use it. And that might sound ridiculous, but it's something you're doing thousands of times in a, in a playthrough. So it's really, it is a big deal after a while. It is, it is a thing after a while. Um, but it's tiny. This one, it's a bit tiny. Some of them are a bit tiny when they do that. The same with the verb coin, any one of them or the ideas like it. And it's so little that I feel I have to be so exact to click on this tiny little thing that I, very again. Yeah. It, it gets, it pulls me out that little bit when, when I've got a nice big chunky menu or I can right click cycle, I know what I'm freaking doing. I can see it and I can click it. Right. Right. And this is where see for me, this is like what I've, I think I, I, I know exactly what I like the best and that, and that's keyboard. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to get across here. And, and, and that's, I'm surprised I don't see more keyboard integration in adventure game and because here is my chance right here, Paul, hmm. here is my chance right here, Paul, there is the perfect example of keyboard integration in an adventure game right here in front of me. 
And that game is Manhunter. Because <laughs> Manhunter 1 and Manhunter 2 have no mouse support. So you're right. not, you don't have to think about this. You know, it's just, this is what it is. Play the game. <laughs> right. That's yeah. Damn. You're exactly right. Too bad. It's not a beloved game. That doesn't help my, doesn't help my cause too much. Cause everyone's like, ugh, Manhunter gross. Only Anna likes this. Game. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm looking, you know what the instruction booklet I have has manual pages, uh, um, uh, neon yellow pages in the instruction manual. Dude, How can I not love it? It is such a cool looking game too. It will, okay, and that ties back into the AGI thing or SCI Zero era, where it's like we 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 all you know for the most part we started off playing adventure games with with keyboard at least keyboard direction right with with the walking yeah and parser too you talk so it's like and the other thing I, I, that went through my head development wise was like well it's not like with a mouse because the thing with the keyboard I was like well it's going to require that the player is like hovering over the keyboard the whole time but it's like it's not like with a mouse you get to sit back. Like either way, you're leaning forward, engaged in the game, either with your hand on a mouse or on a keyboard. It kind of, I don't see, I don't really see like it mattering that much. I don't know. Well, I don't use the keyboard when I'm playing your game or any other game that anybody's made, especially with keyboard use. Ever since King's Quest Four came out, because that was my first, oh, there's a mouse cursor. What do I do with it and how I use it? And it was actually rather kind of ineffective as far as having a mouse cursor in a game goes. But that is still where, as you know, I tend to go to. Yeah, and it's very helpful for development because I, you know, because you're you're the one testing it if if for the point and click players, and I'm the one testing it for the please play it the way I want you to play it players. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not me, <laughs> right? So I need you to to be finding like you know because I don't like for example I don't use the the top down menu ever at all. I use one two three, which is L I T one two three. Look, interact, touch. That's all I ever use. And then obviously tab for for inventory mm -hmm. and escape for menu. So I don't even use the top down menu, which means Anna's always finding like bugs and issues because I'm constantly neglecting it and forgetting it exists. <laughs> so it's super <laughs> crucial. But I will say that when you send me videos of you finding bugs and, and being nothing but but a tremendous friend and, and help <laughs> for this game <laughs> that I'm going to now use against you, I'm so sorry, is, is I watch you playing these videos and I see you missing the thing and cycling through sometimes, even, even with our little, you know, <laughs> fanny pack little, you know, um, intervention or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, it, it kills me. Just it, it doesn't bother you at all. I mean, you're happy as hell to play it. And the, so I don't want to like, you know, even bother pointing it out. But when I see it, I'm just like, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's every time. And it's not just you. It's you. every YouTuber, anybody you watch doing a Sierra style game. They're like, they want interact. There goes interact. And now they got it this time. Every, it's just like over and over and over again. And so I, I get the, again, back to Gemini Ru or back to the verb coin. It's like, I see why. They tried to circumvent that. They're like, you know, this cycle thing, it doesn't bother Anna, but it bothers a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. A lot of things don't bother me. You're like, oh, you, he's fine. Paul's finally convinced me to start skipping through stuff so that I can get through the thing to get to the part he's asking me to look at. Because he's like, you know, you really don't need to like read through and narrate and laugh and appreciate every single line you've just read through 14 times. Just get to the place you need to be. And I'm like, this shit is funny. And just like, is the, is the couch fixed? Can you click on the couch yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there, man. <laughs> 
but that you know what that's just me having fun with everything i do i can't help it it's gonna it's gonna happen and you know what you're gonna get a lot of really technical people which is coming up soon on your on your alpha beta runs and they're they're gonna nitpick it in ways that that perhaps i wasn't and i'm thankful for it yeah yeah fair enough absolutely fair enough and i, I will say too and just in quick defense of the game in case anybody's building up preconceived notions based on the keyboard thing or poking holes in it mentally as I would be doing if I was listening. And I would just say that if you keep in mind that, it, that it's, it's this 2.5 D world where you can only walk left or right, then using arrows is, is perfect. There's because the downside to arrows for me would be in just imagine any, any adventure, any other adventure game besides mine and dark side um, where, where you can walk up and down as well. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. then arrows become a pain in the ass. Cause now you're doing that little thing you do when you walk down the staircase, you know, that little like, up left, mm-hmm. up left, up left to like diagonally get across the screen. Like, yeah, I, I get that. Anybody who's played Sierra Games AGI with arrows knows mm-hmm. exactly what I'm kind of loosely describing right now. And that that would be a problem. But it's like in my game, you can only walk left or right. So there there is no pain. There is no painful navigation. You just left or right. Yeah. And then and then since your hands already left or writing one, two, three for look, interact, touch. Which yeah, I mean, it's like a, I'm asking of the player a very small learning curve to just associate L I T with one two three so that they quickly remember what one two and three does because nobody I don't think anybody's gonna actually click L I or T even though you can. Point being is like you just uh, to me the ideal interface tying this into the episode would be well that's not true because it only again applies to to my game or dark cyber only walking left or right. But okay, if you have a game where you're only going left to right, I think the <laughs> ideal is where you can click left to right and then one, two, three for your three different things. And you don't have to cycle through shit. You don't have to deal with a verb coin. You get more than, than a two-click interface would give you. You don't have nine verbs. You don't have to type the thing. You just one, two, three. How, do you, how does it know what you're looking at? When you hit L, do are you hovering the mouse with a certain cursor? Are you standing near it? What's what's the what's the story with that? Because I've actually never tried it in your game. Well, no. So in this case, it's like in the the one two three replaces the right click. So so L I T one two three L look is one. So you press one, and that gives you the look cursor. And then with the mouse, mm. you put it wherever you want and click it. So it's still point and click. Oh, you're just using okay. one, two, and three or LIT to select which way you want to interact. And then you use the mouse. Wow. It's funny. You know, I've been, it's been like that for ages and I'm just like, what are you talking about? How does this work? <laughs> and I never, I, I always almost steer you away from it. Cause I'm like, I, I, you know, you find, you find all those sweet, sweet point and click <laughs> bugs that I need to be fixing. So uh, but, don't worry, dear. It's fine. It's a thing people can do. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I want to talk about now, because we, we've talked about how we engage with the games and what it is we do to interact with it, but I want to touch a little bit on uh, unique user face mechanics, things that are specific to a game that maybe isn't being used in other games. Like you could even just go right back to the notebook, how it was used in Laura Bow, how it was used in Gabriel Knight, and, and how it's kind of a unique mechanic. E- even the Crimson Diamond has a notebook function that helps you progress to check off what you've been doing as you've been going through it. And, and there's so many ways to use those kind of UIs. So let's talk about that. Fair enough. Okay. So I'm going to start with, with my favorite. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a classic and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost Trojan horsed into this because it may, I, I'm not sure if it would even come as a surprise to be mentioned, but I would say it's, it's multiple player characters and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not something that's done as often as you would think. You know, because we can all immediately recall whether it's Day of the Tentacle or, or Maniac Mansion or 
And not really Sam and Max, but why not? Um, yeah, it's, it fizzles out quickly. It's like, oh, multiplicate, that's been done a lot. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of not been done that, that much. Um, one of my favorite modern examples of it, besides Simpleweed Park, is, is Resonance, um, mm-hmm. which does as well. And they have their own unique interface that I'll hopefully segue neatly into in a second. Um, but I just wanted to say that my absolute favorite is the multiple player characters, um, which again is kind of like a does thing when it comes to the development of my game, having multiple player characters. Cause I just, I really like, I think I'd like it the most from a storytelling point of view, having two characters to work off of, but mm-hmm. a very close second would, would be for the mechanics of it for, for being able to utilize somebody's specialty in the moment that you should be, um, you know, one person's good at a thing and the other one's not. So you switch so that the person can do the thing. Um, or to work in tandem, you know, where you can you can have something, you can pull off something because you can position two different characters in two different ways to make the thing happen. So that's mm-hmm. that's probably easily my favorite would be the multiple player character. Um, what about you? What's your favorite one? One of the games I really liked the user interface on was Techno Babylon because it was kind of fun. You, you could yes. take like, for example, the robot maid and make her evil or make her good. And you have all these different settings. And then you talk to her and be like, oh, is this the setting you need to progress the storyline and being able to mess with those kind of uh, functions? That was fun. And it, and it stuck with me. So I, I really liked that. Yeah, me too. It was it was uh, as as I said in the episode that we did about it. It was like the the peak usage of the, of a game and world's environment as a mechanic, where they took mm-hmm. they took everything about like cyberpunk future and employed it in in a game mechanic and GUI that that just fit like a glove. It was super natural. It felt like something you know for for lack of um, eloquence uh, that a future cop would would do in, in that sort of setting. And it was just fun. It rewarded exploration where you could try different personalities on different circuits and, you know, get a different AI made, I guess you would say, um, before getting the right one, or you could get the right one and load a game back. And as I did, like I remember getting it correct and then loading a save game just to get it wrong, just to see what, you know, what kind of personalities you could have. So rewarded exploration. It felt cyberpunk. It felt investigatory. It was, yeah, that was possibly my favorite mechanic in like a a modern adventure game that was just like orchestrated perfectly well Mm -hmm. said um another one to to build off of that to keep momentum going would be um the memory bank in resonance um Mm -hmm. it was it was basically you could store and manage not necessarily not just memories that almost sells it short um but you had a long-term memory bank and a short-term memory bank and what it, it what it did really well was there's certain times it gave you I know, I know. I'm sorry, everyone. It gave you agency over your specific gameplay because you could, it made you feel like you didn't need the developers to have accounted for stuff to to step in and be like, hey, what's all this about? Like the game would just let you take most things and drag it into the memory and then drag it out of the memory and drop it onto somebody, let's say, or something. Right. It's, 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 I, I fear that I'm going to reduce it down to sounding like, combining inventory but it's not really like that it's more like seeing something in your gameplay and grabbing it to talk about later it gives you a way to be like here's how you talk about this thing that you saw back there you put it in your memory and then use that on you know a guy you'll see later or whatever the case is which is better implemented than they tried to do in Les Manley's uh, In Search for the King because you had to grab somebody's dream that they were talking about out of the thought bubble and take it and put it in your inventory as a puzzle 
That's interesting. I, I'd be curious if, if ever one day we talked to Vince 12, who developed Resonance, I, I would love to know if he played Les Manley, because it does seem like a, mm-hmm. a much more complex, much more polished, um, and much more widely applicable, but yet based on premise of what you're talking about. That was a weird sentence, mm-hmm. but the words are all That's there. Because okay. <laughs> yeah. in modern games, they do this cool stuff. Like, I haven't played it, but I've heard a lot about Disco Elysium. And it's got, like, this, I don't know, cabinet of the mind or, like, a mind map. And it's, like, it's a skill tree, but it also, it like, it's your mental facilities. Like, it's it's who you are, and it's your personality traits. Like, intellect, psyche, physique, and, and uh, one other one. I can't remember what it is, but you're essentially using this as your place to do what you need to do and to see where you're at, which is, it's kind of neat way to, uh, to put things together. Cause there's, there's a few that kind of, a few games we've talked about where you're in four primary ca- categories too, right? Like, uh, was it techno? No, it wasn't techno Babylon. It was another one of those kinds of ones, right? Where you had to make decisions and I can't even remember which one it is, but in the end it was like a steampunk thing. It ends up determining what kind of a personality you are. It, it gives you a test almost. Anyways, stuff like that's kind of neat. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying so bad to help you. My brain's just going, duh. <laughs> it's where there's like, you have to make this decision and it's got a lot of greens and blues. And there's like a, a vat with a baby in it in your room and you either have to keep it alive or let it die. And there's like a cave I didn't know you were going to go so abstract with it. There's a lot of greens and blues, man. Um. I just, I can picture the game. I can even picture the, the, the beginning of it in my head. And it's a female All you got to do now is picture, picture the, 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 sorry. Okay. <laughs> and, and she's in a, an apartment <laughs> and it's like the, it's like, yeah, in the future. We both played it. Is that Techno okay. Babylon? Because it starts out with the. Probably, people. Yes, I must. It's like that. <laughs> it was Techno Babylon all along. <laughs> it was inside of us this whole time. <laughs> so, anyways, there's a lot of greens and blues. You might even say teals when you blend them together. And then she's. Because, <laughs> you know, the game's fun. And then, and then she's in a futuristic apartment. In the beginning, look, there's a lot of ins, a lot of outs. The point is, we really like Techno Babylon. It's a great game. And yeah, so definitely, uh, those are some good examples. Well, you knocked that so much more really outside of the park. I don't know how to follow it. Um, Okay, Whispers of a Machine from. um, That's the game, maybe. I think that's the game I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my god that starts off in a futuristic apartment too it very well could be yes that's exactly the one i think i mean yes oh my god okay okay well i'm so glad you said that so let's segue <laughs> into it <laughs> whisper machine um from Clifftop, um, Clifftop Games, uh, Joel, who made Kathy Rain, also made Whispers of a Machine, um, and it's awesome. it's it's an awesome game. It's a really fun time, <laughs> and they have a very cool uh, mechanic in that, um, which is basically AR, like an augmented reality sort mm-hmm. of situation. Um, yes, and it's just it's very cool. It's again, it's like a. Compl- I remember when I played it, I was like, dude, I 
I wouldn't have been surprised if I saw 20 more adventure games come out using that. Like it seemed like something mm-hmm. that could easily take off and be, yeah, just be like a widely accepted and implemented um, mechanic in, in an adventure game. Of course, there's, there's a lot of issues with mm-hmm. that as far as like it would have to take place in the future to validate the technology and stuff like that. But at the same time, we're kind of, we've had, there's like AR apps for like your phone and shit. We could put like a dinosaur on your table or whatever. Um, Mm-hmm. Point being is, I don't know how much into the future you'd really have to go since we're kind of there. But anyway, it's it's yeah, it's really really fun, and now it's making me think how Wajidai has a lot of really really innovative things under one umbrella. Because, well, no, okay, sorry, I just we're, we're mixing up our games here because I was just jumping back to Resonance for no other reason than I looked up on my screen and saw Resonance, which was Wajidai, um, same as Techno Babylon having their mechanic, but this is Clifftop, this is Joel, this is Whispers of Machine. My bad. Uh, published by Rock Fury. Mm-hmm. Anyway, point being is that it was super unique, and yeah, I don't know how much I could bang on about it more without just starting to talk about Whispers of a Machine. So, do you want to do you want to say stuff about it? You played that game, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh right, yes, I yeah. Did, sorry. Funny enough, <laughs> I I don't have anything more to say about it. I already said it in my description. I just wanted to say on UI that uh, my favorite unique add-on in a game is the zipper icon in Leisure Suit Larry because it can be used to pee in a toilet or other locations. It can be used for Larry to show his junk to somebody, and it can even be used to light a match, which as I was telling Paul before the episode, and now I feel all of you need to know this, I used to light a match. You have to, It has to be the uh, the hard one or the light it, anyways. Point is, I would light it on my zipper, and I never realized how I knew how to do that, but now going back, obviously Leisure Suit Larry told me to do that. And that's what I did. <laughs> I love how you're like, look, I could, I could feel the foundation of this episode falling apart. So before it does, I just have to talk about this goddamn zipper. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's the thing I wrote right before the pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the one that and the the lick smell thing from from space Quest. yeah it, it's like two, which those keeps are, me engaged i love it <laughs> those are two examples of just the, 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 we're so lucky that happened that's insane that they mm-hmm. that they went through the, the difficult all right we kind of touched on that all right anyway all right so you got your you got your noses you got your zippers you got your augmented <laughs> reality you got multiplayer characters mm-hmm. we, we covered all that shit we got notebooks from laura Bow. um Real-time decision-making, that's one the Telltale does with, with Wolf Among Us and, and Walking Dead. Ugh, timed. Don't they, like, say, you have to make this decision, like, now? Yeah. Right now. They build stakes with that, right? <laughs> Where it's, like, the other, yeah. everything, yeah, they create they, they create uh, some sort of stakes by, by making it feel timed. I don't know. I'm not, I, I was good on those games. This is too little interactivity for me. It wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I really, I really want to be able to get out and walk around the room. That's really, that's really mm-hmm. crucial for me. Me too. I'm like, come on, let me out of the constraints of this game, you dev. Can I can I go in the background? And then it just makes me want to break a game. I'm like, that's where I'm at now. I'm like, can I like clip through a wall or something? Is there something I can do somewhere? That's all. <laughs> just to feel something, anything. <laughs> and to wrap up that point, I, I just want to say that that's really, that's been the goal. And, and that's why, Paul, we've been talking about this so much and why we've talked about it enough to warrant it even having its own episode, because that's what you're trying to do. You're, you're not trying to let your nostalgia for adventure game UI influence the game design so much so that you alienate 
the modern players. So it's like you're trying to find the best of all the worlds, right? And and like you said, this is what the designers have been trying to do since the beginning of adventure games. And and there's no single one where you and I are both like, well, maybe Space Quest 4. But mostly there's no single <laughs> one where just like, that's it. That is it. That is what is going to be. That is what it needs to be. And it's going to be forevermore. And other adventure games like it so much, they're going to use it. So it's like it's finding that that point in the middle that that is not overly complicated and that it's not overly simplified and where you you have some agency over the game that you're playing. All right, that's going to do it for this show today. This is just Paul. Our our outro was was a little sloppy. Played it too fast and loose, so I got to just jumping in here real quick to do the do the usual thing. Sorry, let me raise the energy so you want to stick around to actually hear it. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know why I went with clown energy, but regardless. <laughs> okay, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I, I annoyed myself that episode, so if you're annoyed with me, I get it. You know, I, I trust me. I Look, I got to live with me, all right? It's it's painful. Um, <laughs> but I hope you had fun uh, listening. Uh, Wishlist our adventure game, The Phantom Fellows. It's on Steam. Um, you can uh, go to thephantomfellows.com, but also... Uh, oh, here we go. Um, we are at 97 wish lists on GOG. Um, so there's a link in the description below. If you haven't yet, I would love so much and appreciate you so much. Uh, if you could jump on GOG and vote for the Phantom Fellows again, the description's below. Click on the link, then click several more times until it's voted for. Um, hoping to get past 100 wish lists, because uh, we're almost done here. So uh, well, the game. I mean, I'm almost done here with the the thing I'm saying too. Don't worry. But but also the game's almost done. So I really want to get us as many wish lists as I possibly can to try to get you know GOG to sell the game. That'd be awesome. Um, but otherwise, check out our friends in the Adventure Game Hotspot Network. You got your Space Quest historian. You got your Adventure Game geek. You got your conversations with Curtis. You got the Adventure Game Hotspot themselves, and you got one short eye whose amazing video on Longbow Conquest of the Long as you may recall from our episode with him, is about to be out any any second now. Um, So keep a close eye on that. It is absolutely amazing. We were treated to an early screening of it because Anna and I did some some, uh, voiceover work for it. I played the role of Will. That's right. I even had a rider where I insisted on clean Fiji water. Um, No, I played Will and Anna played... um, Marion. So, you know, like the main, the main bloody squeeze. And it was a really good time. You could also find like Space Quest Historian and, and Game Geek and lots of people from the community putting in their voice work. And it's just, it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, uh, you can say hi to us on Twitter. Uh, Anna is at the CGG podcast. Sometimes I am too. Um, we're both at Phantom Fellows. Uh, we're a page in a group over on Facebook, Classic Gamers Guild. Join the group in the conversation. It's corny, but that's what it says here. Um, send us an email. We love emails. Uh, mail at ClassicGamersGuild.com. Um, become a Patreon. And a special thanks to our extra special thanks tier, which I've been meaning to rename for two years now, um, to something that's just easier to say. But a uh, huge thank you. See, again, it's like a trip up on it. A huge extra special thanks to... Uh, Brian Manow and to Michael Consul and to a brand new uh, a brand new extra special thanks to your, I really got to change that name to Tim Ellis. Tim, thank you so much for your generous um, your generosity, especially this time of year as your bloody champion. Speaking of this time of year, so uh, hold on, okay, let me, let me focus. 
thank you very much to, to Brian Michael and to Tim Ellis. We really appreciate you guys. And thank you to all of our Patreons because uh, we couldn't do this without you or we could, but it would cost us money and then we'd probably lose motivation. So in a weird roundabout way, we couldn't do this without you. We thank you guys very much. If you want to become a Patreon, um, we don't have very uh, like cash grabby tiers. We just have two. It's either a dollar or $10. Um, any support is appreciated. Um, and also I want to say happy belated Hanukkah to my fellow Hebes out there. L'chaim. And also, um, um, <laughs> my kid just looked at me like I sneezed. That was funny. <laughs> Pulling the old Gassoon tight <laughs> joke. Um, and also to a uh, Merry Christmas to everybody else. Personally, uh, I, I was born on Christmas Eve, um, with, with, uh, so, so basically it's, it's like a, a, a happy birth miska. Uh, for anybody out there who happens to to celebrate Hanukkah, have a birthday around this time of year, and and also uh, is Jewish but finds our holidays to be depressing, so also does Christmas. Happy happy birthday, Miska, to the to, to you guys, um, to everybody out there. Hope you have a happy holidays. I mean that. That sounded incredibly insincere because I'm in that robotic. Let's just be done with this mode. But for real, I, I, happy holidays. And we love you guys. And thank you very much for listening to our show. I think that's all. Don't do a murder. We have a lot of ducks. Do you have ducks around? Like ponds? Um, yes. Yeah, there's a giant some, one across the street. Yeah, with some, 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 what do they call it? Mallards. Mallards. Yeah, we got a giant one across the street too, behind the old apartment building, and another one up at the university, and another one up by the old path. So. But, en- but enough about ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't give a duck. This week on the CGG podcast. <laughs>